0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See
1: official rules at frito com.
0: Welcome into Oklahoma Breakdown, your Crimson and Cream Machine Oklahoma podcast. I am Matt Ravis. How are you doing? Along with Jack Shields. Pretty good. How are you, Matt? I'm doing good. I'm doing very good. Uh, We are here uh, in the week before OU versus Baylor. Week after OU versus Army, and uh, we're not going to make you relive that night. Uh, That might be a little PTSD inspiring, I think, for some OU fans. Um, That was it was rough. It's twenty eight to twenty one though. So, uh, any last thoughts before we put that to bed? It was watching that is like death
1: by paper cuts. I mean, it's it's awful. Like I. You know, there, there's some stuff to analyze from that, obviously, defensively. I mean, I thought, the you know, the defensive line wasn't great at the point of attack, obviously. And then, you know, Mike Stoops, it seemed like he was much more concerned with uh, not giving up the big play, which is not really the way you need to approach Army because that's
0: playing right into their hands. They're well, basically it, picking up three and four yards each time. And I don't understand the, clock. the point of dropping two safeties back, um, and then another, not, neither of them are going to help in run support. Yeah, you know, I saw that a couple times. It was weird, but from an objective and unbiased standpoint, which I know that's not us. No, uh, we don't. We don't have any pretense there. But from an um, un, unbiased standpoint, uh, it was just from watching Army's execution. It was beautiful. I mean, it kind of was. Yeah, they they they. they I, I, hey, consider me profession. an Army
1: fan henceforth. I yes, will exactly. be
0: exactly. And when you consider the uh, the. Regimen, I guess, is really what you would have to say. Their schedule is incredible. They have to go through all that stuff. Um, they have to run the triple option because those linemen uh, can't bulk up the way that you exactly, line yeah. Um It's uh, you got to have to tip your hat to them because that was that was an incredible performance. All right, that's enough of that. We we
1: live to look good another day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And go. look, I mean, show me a team year in year out in college football that doesn't struggle one time. Well, they're going to struggle
1: a a bunch of of times this year, I think, unfortunately, but granted, I mean, this is not...
0: also 95% of college football. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's... You're not going to see Army again until 2020. You're not going to see a triple option team again until 2020. I mean, you know, obviously there are concerns with, you know, Mike Stoops' judgment, but we didn't really learn anything new there. I mean, I feel like we didn't learn anything this week. I mean, you know, as much as, as maddening as it all was... There's really not much to take away from it. Nothing really new, honestly. It's, you know, is what it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it kind of is sort of a game. um, As lazy as it might sound, as tried as it might sound, you kind of just have to throw it out. You have to throw it out with the bathwater because um, it was just a a weird game. And hardly anybody got to watch it except for that one dude who put it on Twitch. Yeah, exactly. Like Uh,
1: 30-something. I'm surprised it was only that many people that... Tried to watch it. I mean, I think most, like, I think a lot of OU pan, fans uh, did actually pay for the pay per view, but uh, just because they didn't want to, you know, take a chance, maybe. But you know, I think a lot of people from around the country I, I mean, became obviously once they saw the score late in that game. They were like, "Oh shit!" Something other than could happen Oregon here. and
0: Stanford, that was the, like literally the only game of note. Yeah, uh, just about. I mean, there there was maybe one or two others, but there, was, there there wasn't a whole lot of excitement this Saturday, and it was pretty much OU versus Army. So, um, hoping for less excitement. Against the Baylor Bears, uh, that's putting it lightly. I mean, this is a game where, uh, if OU is in a dogfight with Baylor, then something has gone tremendously Absolutely,
1: wrong. Absolutely, yeah. That that will be. Uh, you can really pick up the pitchforks if that happens. I mean, that's.
0: OU has that had trouble though. I mean, in in situations where we've said that before, um, Denzel Mims and company have come in and in, you know, have have use defense, and it's happened yeah, several times.
1: absolutely, yeah, and I mean, you know, you saw the issue that uh, Oklahoma had with Akeem Butler at Iowa State, a big athletic receiver. Well, Baylor isn't exactly short on big athletic receivers, so it's gonna be, it's gonna be a major test for this young secondary. I, I think they can, I think we're gonna see some big plays from Baylor, but I don't think Baylor will do enough.
0: Uh, by the way, today's lineup, uh, we are talking to Shayhan J. Raja. Uh, of Dave Campbell's Texas football, I understand that's an institution in Texas. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and so I definitely uh, had a, a lot of fun talking to Shay Han about Baylor football um, and also about food. A, a lot, of a lot about food. I'm ready to me... get
1: the hell out of here
0: and eat. I really, mean, yeah, it's... yeah, absolutely. It made me really, really hungry. So, um, if definitely stick around for that. That will be in the middle. Uh, we will book in this podcast with uh, conversations between me and Jack. That's how it will roll today. So. Uh, Looking ahead to Baylor, Jack, I mean, my one thing that I'm going to be watching is uh, I want to see what happens at the point of attack because, I I mean, OU's defensive line, especially the ends, um, if they weren't getting pushed around on Saturday, they were getting cut block. Uh, I mean, both are, it's effectively the same end, right? They're taken out of the play. So, I, you know, you need to see a little bit more from that. And then I think OU's offensive line. I mean, this is not a Baylor team who's uh, on the defensive line, like, it's not your vintage, I say vintage. I mean, like, from, you know, Art our, our Breilstein, basically, that was always something they did very well. Yeah, at, at times they did it very well. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I mean, and they always they always had the athletes, and those athletes yeah. simply aren't there. So, that's what I will be looking to take away. And if OU can't get a push, offensively or defensively, I'm pretty concerned.
1: I'm pretty I'm, – I'm actually very confident in this offensive line's ability to get a push this week. But, uh, you know, Baylor has not been very good against the run. So, and, you know, I think – you know, Duke did a really good job with the QB run against Baylor a few weeks ago, and I think Kyler Murray is going to have a big day on Saturday because of that. I think you could – I could envision a 300-100 kind of thing from Kyler Murray. Call my shot right now. There you go. That
0: would uh, boost the old Heisman stock.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that would – and he needs that after only being on the field for 15 minutes against Army, so there yeah, you go. Yeah, that was
0: – between OSU and OU, first of all, the and collective... if you think
1: that doesn't knock an offense off of his rhythm, its rhythm, you are crazy. I mean, you I know, mean, the, the offense did fairly for... well, all things considered. Other than that, you know, it was a pretty bad interception on Kyler Murray's part, and then obviously not getting into the end zone that uh, on that. Uh, one drive i think it was yeah Trey Sermon, uh, yeah, Trey Sermon yeah, yeah it was stuff. late third early fourth if i recall correctly but yeah. uh that, yeah that was I, d- I didn't think ou was going to get the ball back after that i was i was tripping it was, no, it, was it was i was very worried after that. i mean between
0: that. oklahoma state and ou uh, i texas tech you don't think of them as a a, a uh, time of possession team, but they did the same thing. They paced Oklahoma State. Between those two teams, it was like a game and a half's worth of uh, time yeah. of possession yeah. against them, which is just crazy. Yeah, you yeah. yeah. So that, you know, luckily does.
1: Oklahoma at least came out on the winning end. Things in Stillwater are um, tumultuous right now. Yeah, <laughs> losing,
0: losing to Texas Tech is one thing. Um, in impending, I guess is one word you can say. Uh, trying to suppress the press. Uh, to Not a good the idea. Amendment. That's a whole other can of worms that you opened up. So yeah, and this actually came out from a, and I believe it's an OSU journalism. It's, it's a, it's yeah, it's a media stu,
1: media studies professor. Media I believe. studies
0: professor tweeted out. Uh, I'm, I'm only guessing here. I'm guessing the case was one of his students was at this deal and thought that was a little weird and brought it up. However, it came back around to him that's how it came out it wasn't some news okay report it wasn't one of these yeah and i
1: think out. it would have come out from them eventually but, yeah and it you would know, have and it's it's
0: it's, a, it's this look there's a lot of things to unpack i'm not going to um throw the blame on those guys for not bucking up because first of all uh, if somebody threatens you with your credential being taken away revoking the your stakes access, are high there your, i mean your your access i mean that's your job that's your livelihood and You can't do it without that, so I can understand. You've got to pick your battles, basically. Exactly, and that's that's, that's my next point, is you do need to pick your battles, and uh, maybe they know a little bit more than we do about the Jalen McCleskey situation, maybe think it's not a reason to, to make a big ruckus, but on the other hand, Jack, I'm thinking... This is a story. The fact that they're telling you, you cannot ask that a is, it, about a certain thing. That is, it is thing.
1: absolutely a story. It's, I mean,
0: at, at worst, it's chicken shit. It,
1: absolutely, worst. yeah. And I mean, or
0: at, I'm sorry. At best, it's chicken shit. Yeah, at worst, it's uh, I don't, you don't. I don't yeah, even know the words to describe. Exactly,
1: it. yeah. And you know, Gundy has put forth this image for the last few years of you know the mullet guy who hunts snakes and drinks the smoothie and talks about vodka. You know, it, it's great marketing. It's great PR.
0: He also dressed down Jenny Carlson for writing a. I mean, that was a
1: fair article. That was a long time ago, though. That was that was you know, eleven years ago. That yeah. that was bad. You know, he's but you know, people he's in
0: that amount of time. But again, I mean, he. There I was see, no, there, I'm just saying, there are a lot of people who were like, look at him. He's so passionate about his players. He wants yeah. to protect them to that degree. And I mean, you you see things like this happening, and it makes you wonder. It makes yeah. you wonder if that really is just marketing, like you were saying.
1: See, you know exactly. I mean, I I feel like you know, as mu- as clever as it all is. As far as, you know, the mullet and all the you know, it's good publicity for the program. It makes him seem like a, uh, I guess, an unpretentious dude and all that. But you know, in reality, he's just you know thin-skinned and insecure, and he proved it this week.
0: And with, I, I mean, that's not the word. There are plenty of people who are thin-skinned and insecure, but that's not a quality that you necessarily want in your, I don't know, head football.
1: Yeah, dish. I mean, <laughs> and stubborn. I mean, you know, and there's. There's a lot that goes into what happened yesterday. I mean, I I see some people piling on the SID today, and I would strongly encourage anyone who's considering doing that to not rush to judgment. There, and they're just because carrying out an order, right? It, well, exact, well, potentially. You know, it's there. I, I was in that situation, not necessarily with football, but you get into a situation in which you basically tell a coach what he or she doesn't want to hear and if the coach doesn't get his or her way he or she might go to the athletic director they will go over your head and be like hey SID isn't letting me doing this letting me do this you know it happens all the time paul johnson did it all the time at georgia tech he he had to be surrounded by yes men it was it's political
0: it, yeah it's it totally is political.
1: absolutely and this is you know this is you know the blowback that happens when your, uh, your head coach has too much leverage, you know, regardless of who is culpable here it's like behind the scenes, this is the result of that. This is the ugly side of that. And, you know, it's, it's pretty shameful on Gundy's part. And, you know, if, you know, if he did go to the SID and say, Hey, I want this and say the SID said, because there's no way the SID didn't, understand that that was wrong. I mean, he's a veteran of the industry, but, you know, I I would imagine, you know, this is speculation here, but I mean, he may have gone to Mike Holder or maybe like a deputy AD or something like that and said, hey, Gundy's, you know, wanting to do something stupid here. You know, he's trying to you know, th- basically trying to bully the media, which is never a good look. I mean, you do not want to get on the wrong side of the media. It's
0: a little bit fascist, if you ask me. <laughs> uh, it, it's, you know, it's it's dumb. It's I mean, it, it, yeah. there's
1: just no savvy there whatsoever yeah. on his part. I mean, you but know.
0: There, there's a tremendous distrust, and I get it. I mean, it's not just in, in football. It's You see Russell Westbrook, uh, you ask him a question that's a fair one, and he doesn't like it. Uh, you'll get dressed down in front of him. I mean, it, it, it's everywhere. I understand that they don't trust the guys, but at the same time, you're trying to do your job, I understand. At the same time, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's the same way on the other end.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's I, – I don't know, man. Yeah, he's – he – I mean, yeah, he had – you know, everyone around the country was, you know, praising him for being, you know, this goofy coach and all that. And everything's going in the wrong direction now. I mean, he – he's the whole lovey-dovey thing between he and the national media – and with, you know, people across the country, and, you know, with people, even, you know, even people locally, I mean, Oklahoma State fans don't appreciate that, I mean, or not all of them, some of them are coming in defense of Gundy here, which is just idiotic, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like things are uh, taking a very rough turn in Stillwater, and this this, this is an indication of that, I mean, this, when you are trying to silence the media like that, it's because you're insecure, or if, there's some underlying issue.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the uh, fallout from this uh, because I don't think that there will be any more scenarios where people are not asking questions. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, exactly. I don't think, exactly. it, I don't I think mean, anybody you know, is going to be suppressed into silence anymore, especially now that this has come out. Yeah, it's you know bad deal. All right, I think that's going to wrap up our conversation for now. Uh, when we get back, we're going to talk to Shehan Jayaraja. Uh, like we said, he is the uh, he, he's the college football insider for Dave Campbell's Uh, Texas Football. TexasFootball.com is where you can find all of his stuff. Um, And then after him, we're going to come back uh, looking forward to the OU-Texas game, uh, giving our score predictions, our betting predictions, uh, and even more. That's coming up next on the Oklahoma Breakdown. we are talking to Shayhan Raja. Shayhan is the college football insider for Dave Campbell's uh, Texas football, texasfootball.com. Shayhan, how you doing, man?
2: I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. It's our pleasure.
1: Now we're going to jump right in here. Um, you know, with Art Briles now long gone in Waco, but him still receiving a little bit of support from the people there. Do you think Matt Rule has done a good job with, you know, changing the culture in Waco both within the program and the Baylor family as a whole?
2: Yeah, I think he's done about as good a job as you can expect of him because the issue is, right, that when he came onto campus, he did institute a new sort of culture within the program. Uh, a couple players transferred. A couple players were kicked off. There's really a better understanding of these are the rules and and this is how they're going to be followed. Um in terms of the fan culture, I think obviously there's only so much you can do to start, you know, because whatever you want to say about the former coach, you know, you want a lot of football games here and people liked that. So I think that generally speaking, Rule's done a good job of bringing people together. I mean, even dating back to his introductory press conference, uh, he just kind of has an aura about him just as a person, Um, you know, I think that people sometimes get to view it a little bit at big 12 media days, but he almost has a little bit of a preacher vibe about him, which I think is exactly what Baylor needed at this particular time in history. Now, the reality is, (laughs) unfortunately the culture won't completely change with every single individual person changing until there's some level of results on the football field. Now, granted again we're talking about one to two percent maybe of a Baylor fans still kind of being let's call lost right now but um I think that generally rules done a very good job I think he's a really good leader um both on and off the field and I think that that's mattered a lot and and again when they start winning more football games I think it'll be even more effective
1: yeah absolutely I mean you know when they hired him it, it just seemed like the perfect match he's such a I guess such a likable guy. Very endearing figure, I would say. I mean, he's someone who was perfect in that time and place, I think, with what Baylor was going through. So that, you've got to give credit to Baylor there for making the right move in that regard. Now, as far as Baylor's receiving core is concerned, there's a ton of talent at that position, a ton of athleticism, and right now the group is being led by A former Tennessee running back, Jalen Hurd, who uh, Oklahoma fans are very familiar with Mm -hmm. after two matchups with Tennessee in uh, 2014 and 2015. And, uh, you know, other than his athleticism, which obviously stands out in his size, what makes him so special and uh, how has he progressed as a receiver since transferring from Tennessee and switching positions?
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. He, he's just a physical freak. But what really sets him apart is sort of his knowledge of football. Now he's starting to kind of get a little bit more comfortable at the receiver position because obviously he's played running back for the vast majority of his career. But he's a special catch uh, pass catcher. And that's one of the things that we've seen maybe develop a little bit more is his hands. You know, uh, against Duke, it was a little bit – touch and go against Kansas. He was much more sure with his hand through the first two games of the season. He was much more sure with his hand. And again, this is a guy who hasn't played, you know, competitive football since 2016 and has never really played competitive football at wide receiver. So he's starting to kind of get a feel of things. Baylor's been using him in a lot of different ways, which I like. Uh, They've been lining him out wide. They've been lining him inside. They've lined him up under running back a couple of times, but mostly just in short yard situations i think that he's a really versatile player and he knows how to create opportunities for himself just with his speed size and athleticism and i think that's ultimately what sets him apart and and again he's one of those guys you can't really per se scheme out right because it's just a physical mismatch i think that Baylor's going to keep using him uh, a lot heading forward and i think he'll be used a lot in this game
1: you know speaking of receivers uh oh fans we're somewhat familiar with denzel mims and chris platt but uh Who else in that group should should, uh, OU fans be aware of?
2: Yeah, the guy who's really broken out this year is a freshman, actually, Tyquan Thornton. He was a big-time player coming out of high school. He actually committed to Baylor very early in his recruiting process, again, a 2018 kid, but then really blew up, uh, and all of a sudden, every school in Florida was offering him. He committed to Florida for a while, but came back, visited Baylor, and just absolutely loved it and decided to come, so... He's already kind of emerged as that fourth-wide receiver along with Hurd, Mims, and Platts. Uh, another guy to keep an eye on is Josh Fleeks. He's another one of those speedy guys who Baylor's been using in a lot of different roles. He's lined up under center a couple of times at running back. Um, he's a big-time player. He, he played, actually, under Joey McGuire at Cedar Hill before coming to Baylor. Uh, he's one of those guys who, like I said, is just very versatile. He's really fast, really athletic, when he gets the ball in his hands, he's absolutely electric. Baylor's even tried to use him in the kicker turn a little bit to try to get him a few more touches. And again, after that, there's still a bunch of other guys. Gavin Holmes is a guy who was hurt last year, didn't really get a chance to shine, but he's very, very talented. Same with R.J. Snead. He broke his leg last year. <laughs> you know, with Baylor when, when Art Briles was there, they just kept bringing waves of wide wide receivers at you. Excuse me. And that's kind of really continued under Matt Rule.
1: You know, switching over to the quarterback position, Charlie Brewer, he finally seems to be entrenched as the starter after an uh, early-season battle with Jalen McClendon. Uh, what set Brewer apart in that competition, and what does he still need to work on?
2: I think he's just a much more consistent player. Uh, McClendon has a big-time arm. He's proved in that first game against uh, Abilene Christian that he could be incredibly accurate, like like pinpoint accuracy, That's just not what you see every time that he touches the football. Brewer also has a lot more ability to throw on the run, deal with pressure well, and with Baylor's offensive line still a work in progress, he really handles the pressure that comes from opposing defensive lines just a little bit better. He's a a very talented player. He actually sets the uh, the state record, actually the national record, excuse me, for completion percent. He completed 77% of his passes in high school. So he's a very accurate player, fantastic de- decision-maker. And when you put him in a system where he's surrounded with all these wide receiver options, he's really dangerous. And McClendon is a very talented player, too, obviously. He played behind Jacoby Brissett and Ryan Finley at North Carolina State. So there's a reason he didn't play, and it wasn't because he wasn't talented. But Brewer, I think, just fits a little bit more what... Rule and his offensive staff want to do in terms of being able to create things on the run, being able to spread the ball around, and being able to make plays with his feet. Uh,
0: in the, you know, in the deep, or excuse me, in the uh, the offensive backfield, you got two running backs, John Lovett and Jamichael Hasty, uh, both just shy of 200 yards on the season. Each of them averaging uh, five yards per carry. Over
1: five yards per carry. Okay, o- yeah. Over,
0: yeah, yeah, over five yards per carry. Uh, what are both of these backs' skill set? What do each bring to the table?
2: Well, Hasty's definitely more of the sort of traditional all-purpose back. Uh, he came in as, as a, a speed guide, but he's bulked up a lot since being at Baylor. So he's able to run both outside and inside of the tackle. He's really a talented player from Longview. John Lovett is actually only a true sophomore. He really got some playing time last season. He's still very skinny, but he's very, very fast. I mean, he's a really explosive playmaker. He's more of that sort of scat back. He, he kind of brings a nice compliment to what Hasty's able to do in sort of an all-purpose way. And even along with them, Tristan Nedner, who hasn't gotten as much run this year, also a true sophomore, but he kind of is able to more uh, do both and also is a real threat in the receiving game. So each of them are able to bring something different to the table and give Baylor's offense a different look. Now, this all depends on the offensive line being able to continuously open up holes to them. And they haven't played necessarily the greatest competition as yet, so we don't know what that's going to look like against better competition, but so far, even when the offensive line is broken down, Lovett especially has done a great job of getting to his spots and creating opportunities for himself in space.
0: Jermichael Hasty may be an all-time great running back name. That's an excellent running oh, back
2: name. Oh, oh, for sure,
1: for sure. <laughs> now, speaking of good names, uh, you've got former OU signee uh, Giancarlo Valentin on the roster. Uh, he's you know transferred to Baylor from junior college uh and he'll be starting in place of the injured Xavier Newman this week uh in your impression have they been pleased with his development
2: well it's a little early to tell because uh Valentine was actually out the first couple weeks of the season with some injuries last week they sort of had to slot him in after Newman got hurt and they really rotated a bunch of guys in so at this point I think they're happy with what they've seen from him in camp, but they really need to see more from him on the football field just because he hasn't played. You know, it's nothing against him. He just hasn't played as yet. He looked a little lost out there at times uh, on Saturday against Kansas, just trying to slot in. But, again, they were rotating guys. I didn't really like the way that they were rotating maybe four guys in there um, on the left side of the offensive line with Newman out. I think that he'll be a lot better now that he has kind of a little bit of experience and he'll have the the reps in, in preparation for this week. Again, he's a talented player. He's arguably their most physically gifted uh, interior guard, at least. Um, So, you know, I think that he should be able to step in and contribute right away.
1: Now, switching over to the defense, uh, Baylor, they're 103rd in defensive efficiency so far this year. What do you think has been the unit's biggest weakness?
2: It's just big plays. I mean, that's what it comes down to. It's, It's mostly big plays. Against Duke, I think that only one of the touchdowns that they allowed was less than 25 yards and that was true last season too when they played duke the the, the shortest touchdown they allowed last season was only 34 yards and actually cannot to harp too much on Duke, but the six touchdowns six or seven touchdowns that they allowed against duke in the last two years of games averaged 46.7 yards wow so, and duke is not an explosive offense right that's not even what they're trying to do so it's really about big plays and of course you know, I don't have to tell you guys, they're going against Oklahoma. That's a bad, bad sign um, that they give up so many big plays. Up front, they're, they're all right. Again, they're a little inconsistent, but they're fine. But the issue is once it gets to the second level, the safeties just still aren't quite there when it comes to tackling in space. They're rotating in a couple of young guys, so I think they will get better because last year was really a talent issue in that area. This year, it's more of an inexperience issue in that area. But, again, that's that's really where they struggled the most is getting up those big plays.
1: Now, sticking with that defense, who in that unit stands out and who should Oklahoma fans know about?
2: Another true sophomore, James Lynch. James Lynch is a big-time defensive end. Uh, Again, he played as a true freshman last year. He wasn't supposed to play. They were supposed to redshirt him. But he was just exploding so much in practice that they decided to put him in the game. And now heading into his sophomore season, he's probably their best defensive lineman so far. Uh, He had a a sack last week. He's had a couple sacks on the season. Very, very disruptive player. They actually played him mostly at tackle last season, but because of need at defensive end, they were just like, well, I guess we're going to have to put you at end. And he's really adjusted to that role well. He has the ability to play any spot on the defensive line. He's really their one especially disruptive player because they haven't been very good in terms of consistently getting pressure, but Lynch is their one guy who can do that. At linebacker, Clay Johnston's really the guy, their middle linebacker. Uh, when he was out early in the season, it really, really showed because Johnston's a solid, solid middle linebacker, but behind him, there's not a whole lot there. So when Johnston's in the lineup making plays at the line of scrimmage, I think that this is a very different defense when it comes to stopping the run.
1: Okay, so Baylor currently sitting at 3-1, and one, but Kansas is already out of the way on the schedule. Does Baylor have three wins left in their season? Do you think they have three wins left in them?
2: Uh, The short answer is no. I, I think that Duke was a must-win game for them, because I think they might have two wins left in their schedule. You know, I mean, Kansas State's not looking all that good this year, and there, there are other opportunities, I think, because I don't think Baylor's that far away from the rest of the Big 12, but they're a step below mostly everybody else. Um, trying to find three wins on that schedule, that's, that's really tough because, you know, I, I'm sure as, as Oklahoma guys, you realize, like, hey, you know, the Big 12 is pretty balanced throughout. There's a lot of kind of average, maybe slightly above average teams, and that's great if you're on top because you can kind of blow through that. But if you're on the bottom, it makes it way, way harder. Cause you don't have any weeks off from this, uh, from here on out. Um, and it only gets harder because all of a sudden maybe Texas Tech is really good. And if Texas Tech is going to be good, oh, man, that's another maybe win off of your schedule. So I don't think that they can get to six this year, uh, especially after losing to Duke. It wouldn't shock me if it happened, but I think that something pretty fundamental would have to change.
1: Who serves up the best barbecue in Waco?
2: <laughs> this might be the yeah, most important so, um, question of the night it really is it really is so since i since i've moved out of waco in 2016 waco's really stepped their game up barbecue wise uh the go-to place is, is actually one that i haven't been before it's called guest family barbecue that's supposed to be the new hot place in town right now um sort of the more classic place is this place called Vtex. uh they have this absolutely terrible and wonderful thing called the gut pack which is basically a frito pie except instead of you know chili it's topped with all this barbecue it's (laughs) amazing and it's also just you just feel it's terrible after eating it but (laughs) i I want it right
1: now though i mean it's it's
2: it's it's fantastic if you have to get it if you guys ever make it down the way you have to get one of those it's mark. gonna happen
1: in 2019, so just mark it down. That's, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm eating those <laughs> the Fritos and barbecue. Like, uh, is it called the
0: Gut Pack? Is that what he said? A Gut Pack. That's what it's called. Yeah, that's amazing. That's
1: pretty rad. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Yeah, they're not. Uh, yeah, they're not dancing around anything there. Oh, but I who guess. would win in a cage match, Rico gathers, or Mike Singletary in his prime? <laughs>
2: man you're trying to get me killed by somebody <laughs> <laughs> well okay Here, here's the thing Rico on paper is, is the obvious choice because he's a good six eight, two hundred eighty five 285 pounds and athletic as anybody in the world but oh man Mike is just so tough and and like Rico's tough but Mike is tough uh, I, I yeah. mean, like I feel like Rico would come in and throw like a some great early punches, and Mike would just finish the thing. I think that's probably what I'm going with.
1: Yeah, I I mean, maybe, you know, a boxing match, I'd maybe take Rico Gathers because of the reach, but a cage match like that, no holds barred, (laughs) I mean, I might go Singletary there.
2: Singletary's not giving up, I promise you Exactly,
1: yeah, he's, he, I would take Singletary against most human beings. But anyway, (laughs) how do you see this one shaking out on Saturday, and do you think Baylor can cover the spread?
2: Yeah, so I think it's going to be real close. Uh, I think it's gonna. I think Baylor's going to only lose by 20-something. Um, because, look, just realistically, I think that Oklahoma has some deficiencies on defense that I think Baylor will be able to take advantage of, especially at receiver. Um, and I think that they're going to be able to put up some points. I don't think they're going to be able to put up enough points to cover, but I think they're going to be able to put up some points. So I don't see this being a – you know whatever 56 to 7 game or whatever you want to say but I I don't think they're eventually going to be close enough to cover in Norman especially after what happened last week I think Oklahoma's going to be very focused and uh and the other thing too is that I mean Army is one of those teams that just takes it out of you because you know like you guys know it was like what 45 minutes of possession it was it
1: was like chewing glass watching that game Uh, I'm so glad that's over
2: yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, uh, Matt Rule had a weird quote, which is, which she said, apparently Baylor is practicing some options, now, now, I, if they, if they do it, I don't imagine it's going to go super well, because none of them run it, but, um, but you know, I think they'll try to hold on to the ball, and I think they'll be able to make some big plays, but I, I don't think it's going to be enough, I think Oklahoma's just too good offensively.
1: Who is your favorite Baylor alum outside of athletics? <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, I do work for Dave Campbell's Texas Football, but I'll- there <laughs> you go. <laughs> but I'll put that to the side. Also, you know, Trey McClain owns my company. I'll put that to the side too. And I also will. Uh, I'll take my girlfriend out of the rankings, but I do want to, you know, at least put her in there. <laughs> but other than those people, I- I'm a big Ann Richards fan. Actually, you know, former governor of Texas. She's a. I mean, she was a badass woman when it was like not really a thing as yet to really, really be a badass woman. So I, I really like R- Ann Richards.
1: She was great in King of the Hill, that one episode, where (laughs) I think someone mooned her. I think it was Bill who mooned her, or Hank mooned her, or something like that, and Bill took the fall, and Bill dated her. It was a great episode. But anyway, (laughs) yeah, this is a very, you know, we've got King of the Hill right there, and now we're going to ask you about the other thing that's the most Texas thing on Earth. What do Um, you order at Whataburger at 3 a.m.?
2: Whew, okay see this is this is tough right because this is there, there's two reasons to go to whataburger at 3 a.m there's i'm still awake and like i just want a midnight snack and there's i just got off from something and i need to stop by whataburger now i think that the answer to both is probably still the patty melts uh interesting obviously, obviously you know honey butter chicken biscuit you know that's obviously kind of the go-to as well but and look, the reality is, too, if you eat a patty melt set at 3 a.m., like, oh, my God, you're going to wake up feeling terrible. <laughs> but, yeah. But I'll worth tell it. you what. It, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's worth it. It's worth it. Especially because, you know, I just moved back to Texas after two years in Atlanta. And uh, I'll tell you what, uh, having Whataburger back is a is a good deal. Uh, dude, I feel you. I
1: used to live in Atlanta. And, yeah, it's nice to have Whataburger back. But now that you've mentioned Atlanta, who's got yeah. the best wings in Atlanta?
2: oh man oh gosh you know i i definitely didn't get to get around as much as i hoped i would uh, in atlantic cause, again you just get so busy i i went to taco Mac all the time oh yeah. yeah i i think that it, it's just like one of those perfect places right it's like man we got a bunch of beers we got some wings we got the game on we got other types of food if you really want it taco is fantastic i wish it was out here too
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's basically a, a much, much, much better version of Buffalo Wild Wings. This is essentially oh, what it is. So you guys are making
2: me
0: so hungry yeah. right now.
1: <laughs> no, T-Mac is the bomb.
2: Yeah, it's awesome.
0: All right, Sheehan, I really appreciate your time tonight. Uh, you should definitely go follow Shayana, uh on Twitter, at uh, Shayhan spelled Jeyaraja spelled J-E-Y-A-R-A-J-A-H. Sheehan, appreciate your time tonight.
1: Yeah,
0: thanks so much for having me on. Big thanks to our friend Shayhan J. Raja uh, out of the aforementioned Dave Campbell's Texas Football, TexasFootball.com. Uh, is where you can find all of his stuff. Uh, you can give him a follow on Twitter, like we said, at Shehan J. Rajah. Shehan spelled S-H-E-H-A-N. J. Rajah spelled J-E-Y-A-R-A-J-A-H. Really enjoyed talking to him. All right, Jack, uh, we've been pretty football heavy, so let's uh, take a left turn for now. Uh, how was your How was your weekend? Pretty good. Um, started off, I guess, Friday watching
1: some friends play some music at a blue bonnet on Main and Norman pretty good place they've uh they've got a back patio now I've been and they've got a pretty drunk there a couple yeah of absolutely I, I was as I've well done karaoke there before and uh, yeah they've got a cool mural in the back that has Norman written on it but it's got a picture of Leon Russell in it mm. and a pterodactyl and an oil derrick you know perfect representation of you know, I guess Norman, there, you know, because well, you know you've, the you've pterodactyl
0: got, the, was... you got the natural
1: history museum. It's it's not uh, talking about the pterodactyl that like terrorizes people on Robinson every week. Or I thought like it that. was
0: like Mary Fallon or something. But <laughs> just kidding. I hope nobody hates. I mean, people don't aren't going to hate me for that. right? No,
1: not not anymore. No, no. You, you people are firmly uh, people on both sides of the aisle are not terribly thrilled with her. I try not so. to
0: mix my sports and politics, but stick uh, sports. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's. Uh, Sounds good. I it mean, is cool, yeah.
1: And, you know, Saturday, uh, obviously tailgating all day and stuff like that. So it was a really fun day of uh, for anybody who uh, – it was probably the best tailgate of the year, obviously, because it was a 6 p.m. game and you had, you know, Army in town. So everyone was excited about that. The pregame stuff was great. I, I wasn't too thrilled with watching the drill team. Granted, it was cool. You know, there's a lot of risk involved. You know, it's a lot of uh, – you're throwing those uh rifles with bayonets up in the air. There's a lot of risk involved. There's a lot of skill involved. But it's just not the most, I guess, aesthetically pleasing thing. Gotcha. I mean, yeah, it's you know I yeah. That was everything else was incredible though. You know, the uh the black daggers, parachuting in, very cool. And then uh yeah, that's about it for the weekend. Yeah, just those two days, I guess. Right,
0: my response is always going to be working because that's the only thing I ever do on weekends. But I will say that my uh, my radio nightmare came true kind of on Saturday. What happened? So uh, Sam Mays, who's a co-worker of mine at the franchise, uh, you know, we do pre-game, post-game coverage like all day long. And so um, these are pretty long set. You know, they're three hours uh, worth of pre-game stuff per chunk, right? So I- I'm there all day long it's hard to listen in exactly to every one of those conversations. So he has his dad on dad, uh, played at West point army. Uh, was a captain in the army. It's like a pretty good guy. Right. And he was good. It's all well and good. I get, get into a conversation and all of a sudden I hear him drop this. Sh- he drops a shit in there and I'm like, <laughs> wait a second. So I, we have got a button for that. It's called the dump button, right? I hit that. Uh, but I don't think I got them all And the, I mean, they were just, they were coming hot and heavy. Uh, so I was basically sitting back there and wailing on the dump button, like sweating bullets. um I'm still glad have, we
1: don't have to worry about that here. Still
0: haven't gotten no exactly. Still haven't gotten in trouble for that. I actually learned that it's technically like the FCC is not going to come out and find you if you say that on the radio. It's just not a good look. Apparently, yeah, it's like yeah. the, like the F word is like the that's the bad one. Don't ever say the F word. So, um, so yeah, that that was uh, my big. Also learned that I'm going to uh, fingers crossed go see Baker play. Uh, in Denver, I'm going to go to the Broncos-Browns game on December 15th. So.
1: Nice. I think I'm going to try to go see him at Arrowhead. I am, I'm, you know, I'm a pretty much a lifelong Chiefs fan, so that's going to be an interesting one. And then you add in the fact that Patrick Mahomes is involved in the whole thing. So you have the Baker versus Patrick Mahomes thing. So I'm going to be. Uh, I don't want to be in a position where I have to root against Mahomes and Kansas City because it's very exciting to be a Chiefs fan right now. But at the same time, it would be the ultimate, I guess I told you so, if Baker and the Browns went in there and won,
0: sounds like you just have a. And win. I, I
1: really hate Texas Tech, yeah. so I really want. There's part of me that wants the. I see, yeah. It's it's a shitty situation because I don't want to have to root against my I don't favorite. Know. I think team. it's a
0: good It's it's like literally a win win situation. It's you a lose it lose situation
1: too, though. It's just it's a roller coaster of emotions <laughs> that I'm, frankly, not trying to deal with. So, but it's gonna happen. And I'm probably going to be there. I'm it's got to be a good experience. Tailgated sure Arrowhead, is. which is very fun. So not Fair as enough. fun as it used to be because of the new rules, but oh, yeah, still then, very fun.
0: And then one more thing, uh, I did. I guess you can't really say this weekend because it was on Monday, but uh, Thunder Media Day and training camp started uh, as well this week. So big time. Yeah, you were there. Basketball, what did you take away from that? Uh, it's honestly, it's a whole lot of boilerplate. Stuff. Yeah, I would it's, imagine. It's you know they're they're on their best behavior. Uh, they know that it's all standard. You're not going to get anything too juicy, although I did learn a, a large portion of the team are like dog owners and big dog people. They didn't, like K.J. McDaniels, who I don't think he's going to make the regular season no, roster or anything, not. but he said he had six dogs, which was uh, for as much of a journeyman as he has been in the NBA. That's probably a lot of dogs to uh, maintain. I talked to Patrick Patterson. Really talked to all the big Thunder guys uh, in a one-on-one setting, except for... Uh, Russ and Paul George, because they're just too cool to do the uh, one-on-one interviews, I guess. Well,
1: that's too bad.
0: And Steven Adams, too. Uh, whenever you make $100 million plus, apparently that just exempts you from all of the uh, availability. So,
1: yeah. Oh, well, I guess that's one of the perks.
0: There's really not a whole lot you can take away from Media Day. Uh, everybody's undefeated. Everybody thinks that they can win the Larry O'Brien trophy, even though uh, it's probably going to be the Golden State Warriors. So, yeah, everyone's wonk, uh, wonk. bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Uh, like I said, on their best behavior. Uh, even Russell, he was uh, not his. I mean, he was a little bit of a curmudgeon, but I think being a dad I softened him up a little bit. Yeah,
1: he's not his usual combative self, I guess. There you go. But oh, I, I was would... also
0: Barry Trammell stole my hot. He didn't steal my hot dog, really, but they were out of. They were running out of hot dog buns, uh, and he had to grab two of them, and I didn't get one. So ah, man, whatever that's the opposite awful. of a shout out to Barry Trammell for taking the last hot dog bun is, uh, that's what I'm going to drop right
1: that's here. That's rough. Come on, Barry.
0: Barry, I know you're listening. Come on.
1: (laughs) Absolutely not. But uh, Stephen Adams, though, he seemed to be a little more, I guess, on edge. I did enjoy him uh, telling Patrick Patterson to go fuck off and watch a movie. That was funny because, as you know, or as many of you know, uh, Patrick Patterson sees, I think, every movie that comes through theaters... Or he's something kind
0: of like that. I even asked him like what some of his uh, newer movies were. There, first of all, two I had never heard of, uh, and second of all, like subject matter that I never would have guessed. Like one of them, he he mentioned to uh, Jerry Ramsey and I was like about a a black kid joining a skinhead like white supremacist gang, and I was like, "What? Wow, that sounds incredibly heavy." Uh, so yeah, he's 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 a real cinephile. Patrick Patterson is, but yeah, Stephen Adams seemed to be. I don't know. He wasn't there for it yesterday. Or no, I say yesterday. It was on Monday. Um, Yeah, he wasn't there for it. His presence
1: alone, though, is funny. Like his voice, like him being himself, is inherently entertaining. My
0: favorite thing about Stephen Adams is you know you go out and cover some of these community events, and um, dads will ask kids for their autograph. Stephen, can my kid get your autograph? And be like, who? Be like my kid. Be like, yeah, he can ask me, or she can (laughs) ask me, and so get the kid to ask. And then he'll like, look at them real seriously and be like, do you promise to do your chores and clean your room? And, they're, <laughs> and they're like, yes, Stephen. And he's like, okay, cheerio, or whatever he says. <laughs> it's really charming. That's my favorite thing that Steven Adams does.
1: Yeah, he's the man. Yeah, he, he should never leave us ever. He has to stay forever. It's a business. It's yeah. a business.
0: I just wanna, I'm just want. i not saying he's leaving soon, but it's. Uh, I'm just saying. it's. It happens. Sometimes you got to prepare yourself for that stuff. You never know
1: what Presty's going to
0: do. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I might trade him to Golden State Warriors. He's crazy. Oh, it's crazy like that. Don't say that. <laughs> all right, uh, let's let us let us get back to football here. Uh, let's do a couple of like, a score predictions. We think OU is going to cover, and then we'll take just a second to touch on the OU Texas game. So first of all, um, what's your what's score prediction? Or do you want me to go first? You go first. All right. This is my completely off the cuff score prediction. I'm going to say 42 to 14.
1: 42 14. Just because eh? I
0: think OU is going to be able to handle Baylor. Uh, I think they're going to be able to run around them all day. Um, In the 14 points Baylor is going to score uh, are not going to be meaningful. They're going to be in garbage time. I think this game's going to be over by halftime. I think OU is going to call the dogs off.
1: Okay. All right. Spread is 23.5. I'm trying to formulate a score prediction here. I do think OU covers despite maybe uh, not looking that great defensively just because I think the offense is going to – Absolutely go off in this game, but uh, uh let's go with uh, fifty two, mm, 52. How about that? There you go. Points on the board. There you go.
0: So yeah, it should be a uh, high scoring affair. Do you know what the? Excuse me. Do you know what the uh, total is?
1: Uh, the over under. Let's see here. Uh, let's see. About to come up here. 69,
0: yeah. <laughs> I swear I didn't know that before. I didn't actually. know it either. I mean, I'm I I'm so happy like, right now. I swear I wasn't trying to set that up. I promise, nice, mom. I promise. Uh, so there you go. That's it. that's that's fairly high as far as point totals go, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think for this game, it'll probably. I, I I'd take the over for sure. Right, as, so, as you heard from my score prediction. And
0: then let's do something we hope that the uh, Sooners aren't doing against the Baylor Bears on Saturday, and look ahead to the uh, OU Texas game. I mean, are you looking for specific things in this Baylor game that you can take into the Texas game, or are you just purely focused on this Baylor game right now? Well, Texas
1: also has some big athletic receivers, so I'd like to see you know how the secondary you know handles that situation with the uh, you know Baylor having Jalen Hurd, obviously you know the former running back. At yeah, Tennessee. running back at wide receiver, very is familiar is a big, face for OU mismatch. fans.
0: But it's you know, and he's you know, That's he's about. Mismatch. He's 6'4 and very well built, so, yeah. I mean. It's not going to be easy because, I mean, OU's secondary. Those aren't huge dudes by any means. I mean, that's, he's going to no. be a tough dude to bring up. You know, Mims and Platt are both very, very fast. And so you can just body somebody and throw it up in the yeah. They're, back shoulder they're or They're
1: going to make some plays, and I think it's going to have OU fans pulling their hair out at certain points, but I think the defense will get enough stops and the offense will have the ball long enough. And 52 points for the Sooners.
0: There you go. All right, I think that is going to do it for us today. Uh, big week next week, like I said, Absolutely. OU, Texas. OU, Texas. So, uh, stay clued in. We'll definitely have big things for, for planned for you. For Jack Shields, I am Matt Ravis. Thank you so much for listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.